Amen. There are defining moments in our lives that change us, that change what we do and why we live, what our purpose in this world is. One of those big defining moments in life that change us is marriage, isn't it? Making that commitment and becoming one with somebody else changes everything, doesn't it? Because it's no longer just about you, but you've united yourself under God to someone else, and now you have to treat another human being just like you would treat yourself. It's now a life of selflessness rather than selfishness, right? Marriage changes what your priorities are, how you live. Having kids is another one, isn't it? Now you've got a human being to take care of who can't do anything for themselves. They completely rely on you for absolutely everything. That's going to change how you live, why you live, what you do with your time, your priorities. It has to. What about that bad diagnosis from your doctor? Or maybe, maybe that heart attack. That's a wake-up call. Hopefully that is a defining moment in your life that things got to change. I've got to eat better. I've got to exercise more. I, I need to make changes in my life. You, you're probably going to change. These defining moments in our lives that change us, that give us different priorities, different reasons to live, and why we live. And even more than all of these, even more than all of these earthly things that we do or that happen to us, our relationship with Jesus and what he's done for us has to change us. It is the greatest defining moment of all. That someone would be willing to die for me, forgive all of my sins, love me in spite of me, promise me a home in heaven with him forever, that has to change everything, doesn't it? Everything has to shift. Everything has to be different. My priorities, why I live, who I live for, what I'm going to do in this world. It has to. How can it not? And that's what this series is all about. We're beginning this new eight-week series. Eight weeks, we're going to focus on this topic of discipleship. That when we are a disciple of Jesus, when we know him and believe in him, everything changes in our life. Everything has to shift. Our priorities are different. Why we live is different. Who we live for is different because of this one that we follow. It has to be. And in each one of the weeks of this series, we're going to look at a different aspect of our lives as Christians, as disciples of Jesus in this world, and how being his disciple is going to shift the way we live. But today, we're going to start out very foundationally, very basic, from which we can build on here, is just to define what does it actually mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And we're going to see from our lesson this morning before us, the definition Jesus gives us for what it means to be a disciple means that we are all in. 
We are all in. You know, there are many, many commitments you have in your life, many things that you are all in on, aren't there? Let me give you a, a few examples, and I'm guessing at least one of these will resonate with you. You work really hard to make the team, and you get a spot on that team. And then the coach sits the team down at the beginning and says, these, this is what it means to be on this team. These are our practices. These are the games. This is the workout schedule. This is what's expected of you if you're on this team. But then, you just decide to come to practice when you feel like it. You come to games late. You show up at halftime. You don't do the exercise routine that you're given. How's it going to go for you on that team? How about your job? Your employer hires you and says, we will pay you to do this work. But you come in when you feel like it. You know, you slack off. You let other people pick up, up your slack. You do what you feel like. How's it going to go for you in that job? If you're not all in, if you're not totally committed? Or school. Kids, school's right around the corner. I know some of you, it's coming very quickly, isn't it? Right? The, the teacher at the beginning of the year gives you the syllabus, tells you this is what this class is going to be all about. This is going to be your homework and your tests and your quizzes. This is what's expected of you. This is how you're going to be graded. This is the attendance policy. All of those things are laid out for you. And then you just show up when you feel like it. You do the homework if you want. Right? You, you don't pay attention. You fall asleep in class. How's that going to go for you <laughs> if you're not committed, if you're not all in on that class? Take parenting. Have you ever parent ever just decided, well, you know, it's good enough if I, if I feed my kids every other day. They'll be all right, right? No, right? How would that go? You might not have your kids very long. If we're not totally committed all in on parenting and raising our kids, how about marriage? How would it work if you stand in front here, in front of God, and say, I'll be faithful to you unto death well, probably. And maybe if someone better comes along, I might change my mind. How's that going to work out? Right, we're talking about total commitment, being all in. We have these things in our life where we're all in. We're totally committed. Why would it be any different in our relationship with Jesus? But how often isn't that the case? Where our following Jesus and being his disciple is kind of this, this half-hearted thing. It, it, it's this, well, I'll follow you when it's convenient for me. I'll listen to you when I have time for you, Jesus. Right? How easy it is to just get this attitude of, my relationship with Jesus is good enough. <laughs> it's enough. It's just going to have to be what it is. How easy it is for us to fall into that, that temptation of compartmentalizing our lives, right? That that Sunday morning, that, that hour that I spend at church, well, that's my Jesus time. But everything else, that's my time. How come we can be so committed and so all in on all of these other things in life that are good, but not with our relationship with Jesus? And if that's the case, if we are taking this half hearted approach. Jesus has some words for us this morning. 
Because according to our gospel lesson and what Jesus says here, there's no kind of in with Jesus. It's all in or nothing. Jesus has these interactions with three men. Three men that come up to him and, and they talk about discipleship. What does it mean to be his follower? And each one of these three conversations reveals a little something different about what that means. Jesus defining what it means to be a disciple, to be his follower. So if you want to follow along, that'd be great. Uh, it's on the service folder in page 10. Our gospel lesson is what we're looking at. If you have the Pew Bible or your own Bible, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 9. Uh, we're going to start more to the end. We're going to look at, start at verse 57 here with these interactions with Jesus and these men. The first guy comes up, right? There, there, a man says to him, says to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now with every one of these interactions, let me just pause here, every one of these interactions, Jesus can see right into their hearts. He knows what's going on. And maybe with this man, sounds great, he wants to follow him, but, but this man's too attached to the things of this life. This man loves the pleasures of this life. And Jesus is warning him here, you want to follow me? I don't even have a place to lay my head. I don't have a home. So what it means to follow me, young man, is that you have to be willing to give up absolutely everything if you're going to be my follower. That everything else in this life, all the pleasures, all the things of this world that you enjoy, they take second place. You've got to be willing to let all those things go. Let all of those things of the world go to be my follower. You've got to be ready to leave them behind. Then another man comes, and Jesus goes up to him and says, Follow me. But this man replies, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, now what Jesus is using here is what we call hyperbole. Right? It's sort of an exaggeration to make a point. Let the, bed, let the dead bury their own dead. But what Jesus is teaching this man and what he's teaching you and me about discipleship, about being his follower, is that yes, we have earthly responsibilities and duties, but they take second place to being a disciple of Jesus. There are many good things to do in this life, many responsibilities that you have, but they all come second to Jesus. Even bearing a father or whatever else it might be, some of the greatest responsibilities you have in this life, Jesus is first. And then these things. Another man comes up to him and says, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus is not saying that you can't say goodbye to your family. He's not saying that you can't love your family, but what he is saying to this man and to you and me is following Jesus is total commitment. There's no looking back. There's no regrets. You've got to be willing to give it all up to be all in with Jesus. Now, now maybe you hear these words of Jesus and you, you listen in on these interactions and you think, this is pretty harsh. <laughs> Jesus, you're demanding. Uh, how can you ask us to do these things? It just seems unfair, inappropriate. 
You're just too demanding, Jesus. And if you even have a shred of that thought in you, or you think about your life as a believer, as a disciple of Jesus, and think that he's just too demanding on your time and what he expects, and that he's got to be number one all of the time, if you think that's too demanding and too harsh, well, guess what? That's a you problem. Because you're forgetting who this is, who speaks these words. Don't forget who this is. This Jesus is not just some ordinary guy that's saying, follow me. He's not some boss. He's not some parent. This is God himself. This is the Son of God, the third person of the Trinity, God from eternity. This is the one who calls you to be all in and following him. This is the one through whom everything in this universe has its being. Without him, there's nothing. Through this Jesus, who is God, you have life. Without him, you have nothing. You don't even exist. Everything that you have in this life is a gift from him. All of your earthly wealth, your abilities and talents, your family, everything you have, every moment, every breath is graciously from him. And then on top of that, he doesn't just smite you down when you make these other things more important than him. No. He still is patient with you through all of it. In addition to, to his, his benevolence and his patience, this Jesus, God himself, does something even more amazing. At the beginning of this gospel lesson, it tells us the context, what's happening, where Jesus is, where he's going. Verse 51, the first verse says, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. This whole interaction takes place maybe just, just a couple of months before he's going to go to Jerusalem for the final time. And up to this point, right, we're, we're almost three years into his ministry, almost 33 years into his earthly life. And you know what he's already done for the people he's talking to and for you and for me? God himself wrapped himself in human flesh. He left heaven and chose to come to this sinful world. And he chose to live under the law just like you. But to do it not like you. Instead, to do it perfectly for you. To keep every command of God perfectly for you. To face every temptation of the devil perfectly for you. To never once fall into sin for you. This Jesus who calls you to be all in, to be totally committed in following him, is the one who lived that perfect, innocent life in your place. God himself in human flesh. And then we see him here resolutely setting out for Jerusalem. And the Greek word there for resolutely literally means he turns his face towards Jerusalem 
and he never looks back. Because there at Jerusalem, he's going to be led up a hill to a cross. And there he's going to be nailed and crowned with thorns and suffer and die, not for anything he had ever done. He is completely innocent, but the innocent dies for the guilty, for you and for me, for the sins of the world. This is who speaks these words. This is the one who says, you want to be my follower? You got to be all in. You got to be committed fully. The one who lived and then the one who died for you so that you could have forgiveness. So that God would not smite you with punishment, but instead open up the gates to eternal life. This Jesus, who did all this for you. This one who then calls us to be his disciples and to forgive us and to love us and to make us his brothers and sisters. It's the one who calls us to be all in. And who else is there to follow? Who else should we be totally committed to? The one who would do this for us. Not because we earned it, not because we deserved it in some way, but simply because of his grace, because of his mercy. That he would do all of this for us. Jesus was always all in for you. From the beginning of time and before knowing what would happen and what it would cost him. He was all in for you, all the way to death. And he's still all in for you, you know that? Because he died, but then he rose and he ascended and he sits at the right hand of the Father. And he is there and he's still all in for you as he is there to forgive your sins and intercede for you. He's all in for you as he is there to sympathize with you in your weaknesses when you face temptation, when you go through the struggles of this life that he also has gone through just like you. He is all in for you as he promises that he will never leave you or forsake you. He is all in for you as he is the one who's leading you, leading you through this earthly life to your eternal life with him. Dear friends, who else is there for us to follow? Who else is there for us to be totally committed to and to be all in with and for when we know how all in he has been to us, continues to be to us, and will always be to us? And then even more than that, what's so amazing is that when he says, follow me, and he says, be my disciple, He even gives us the strength and the determination to be able to do it. He comes to us in word and in sacrament and here reveals himself to us again and all that he has done for us and he strengthens our faith and he gives us that desire and that ability to be able to follow him. It's all from him. The only reason we can be his disciples and follow him is because he gives us that ability and that power to do so. As we continue to listen to the voice of Jesus, as we continue to receive that forgiveness of sins in his body and blood, as we continue to look forward to our heavenly home that is wide open for us, that crown of life he has prepared for us, and to give us strength and endurance and patience and encouragement all along the way to follow, to be his disciple.
And all we can say is, Jesus, help me. Teach me to be your follower. Let me learn from you. Let me be like you. Let me love like you. Let me forgive like you. Let me show your love and your light to this world. Friends, I know you, you have a lot of commitments. A lot of commitments in this life. All, mostly, hopefully, <laughs> good ones. But permit me to be so bold to say that none of them, not a single one of them, matter as much as Jesus' commitment to you and your resulting commitment to him. Because that alone matters for eternity. And brings purpose and meaning and joy to all the other commitments that you have in this life. <laughs> Let's be all in for Jesus, the one who is always all in for us. Amen. Please stand.